What is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. By the way, I'm kind of feeling the vibe here of this little jazzy, smooth opening as opposed to that rock beat that I've been having going on. I like this, man. Anyway, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform that you enjoy listening to your podcast on. New episodes every Tuesday and every Friday, as well as random bonus episodes scattered all over. In fact, just on Monday, I had Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. That was a bonus episode. Tomorrow, I'm going to do our second Buffalo Bills mock draft with Aaron Quinn. So yeah, man, you got to subscribe. And when you do, new episodes, like I said, right to your phone or to your device as soon as they are published. By the way, before I get going with today's episode, still got that contest going on over on my Twitter. A couple more days left, and it's for subscribers only. You can win yourself a free large pizza and 20 wings, whatever flavor you want to get from our good friends over at Macy's Place Pizzeria. Absolutely elite wings, elite pizza, Everybody knows that, man. All you got to do is this, and I'll put this in the show notes as well. Go to my Twitter page, at Pat Moran Tweets, and right at the very top, there's a tweet. It's pinned right there. All you got to do are two things. One, retweet it out to your followers on Twitter, and two, reply to the tweet with a screenshot proving that you are indeed subscribed to the podcast. That's it. We're going to draw that winner pretty soon. In fact, going to draw that winner, I think, on Thursday, and we'll announce it for the Friday podcast, and we're going to be doing a lot more promotional giveaways involving this pod in the weeks to come, more food places, some merch, some cool stuff, so stay tuned for that. Before I get to Lance Lazowski, that's my guest, Buffalo Sabres beat writer for the Buffalo News. He's really good, man. I, I really like Lance a lot. I'm looking forward to having that conversation, but before that, I got to hit on something that happened last week. And this happened like, I don't know, a couple hours or so after I had just finished taping the Casual Friday episode with Del Reed. I learned that former Channel 7 sportscaster Rick Azar had passed away at 91 years old. Ugh. I, I just, I want to comment and I, I want to say my, my two cents and my piece on that because to me, Rick Azar was not just a sportscaster, but he was a legend, man. He was, he was a legend to me, a, a young sports fan growing up on the West side of Buffalo, New York. He was, and I'm not saying it slightly because I mean it, he was quite literally the first major Buffalo sports media influence that I ever had in my life. Now I grew up with parents that always had channel seven on the news. Every evening, every night. I never knew why they watched Channel 7. I never asked, but obviously that locked me in. So I didn't grow up with Ed Kilgore on Channel 2. And I didn't grow up with Van Miller on Channel 4 on, on my TV set every day. It was Channel 7. And man, 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 I wanted to be Rick Azar. I really did. From the really. The, the time I can remember as a kid, all the way through, I was finishing up high school. 1989 is when Rick Azar left 
Channel 7. He was the man to me, man. He was the coolest dude in the world to me anyway. And, uh, you know, I remember being a little kid, like a lot of people growing up, especially probably when I did before there was video cameras and cell phones that had cameras and, and all this stuff. I went handwriting laptops. I would handwrite scripts on paper and I would sit in front of the mirror and read my script and look in the mirror like I was doing a sportscast. And again, back in those days, there weren't video cameras unless you were rich. I mean, you had camcorders, I suppose. We didn't have one. But anyway, besides that, you couldn't just pull out your, your iPhone and, and take video of yourself. You would practice in front of the mirror. And I really wanted to be a man. Rick Azar was one of the best men. And I, I just want to take a minute here and, and acknowledge that and, and pay my respects, so to speak. So rest in peace, Rick Azar, one of the all-time Buffalo greats. All right, so Lance Lazowski, like I said, in the few years he's been here now covering the Sabres for the Buffalo News, he's really turned into one of my favorite, not just beat guys, but just sports writers, period, outside of the business as well, man. He writes great stories. I think he covers the Sabres beat exceptionally well. He breaks some news when there is news to break. And outside of that, pretty personable guy, man. I I think he's well-liked, and, and he's making quite the name for himself. So we're going to talk hockey, tons of Sabres, obviously, but I also hit on a couple things involving his job and his life. So it's, it's a great chat with Lance. And on that note, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's just get right into it. Here it is, my conversation today with Buffalo News, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, Lance Lazowski. All right, Lance Lazowski, Buffalo News. Going on, buddy. How you doing, Lance? Oh, doing well. Hey, just um, still a month ago in the season. It's been an interesting one so far, to say the least. Uh, always good to join you. <laughs> you ain't lying about that, man. And I probably should have addressed you if you listen to Sabres fans anyway. As unfortunate victim, Lance Lazowski. But that's not the case, and we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. But first, all right, let me start here. Obviously, we're going to be talking Buffalo Sabres and everything that is going on. But kind of want to have a little bit of a a brief history lesson between Lance and Talk of Buffalo podcast. So this is the third time I've had you on. I want to go back to the first time. You had just started at the Buffalo News. It was November of 2018. I mean, dude, I'm not even sure that you were like completely unpacked and shit before I grabbed you and got you on this podcast. But anyway, I went back and I listened to it. It was, it was fun. It was good. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for people listening. There's a good chance to get to know Lance beyond just the work that he's been doing out with the Buffalo Sabres for the last few years. But anyway, we, uh, the conversation that came up about chicken wings and <laughs> at the time, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying you were quite literally brand new to Western New York at the time, Thank but God. I had asked you about wings. Yeah. I said, what, what are your couple of, of your wing spots? And at that time you only knew anchor bar and Duff's. You didn't even know anywhere else really, because again, you were literally brand new. Uh, so let me start with probably the most important question I'm going to ask you during this interview is, uh, where have you had wings since? Like, have you had a couple places, not counting Duff's or, or Anchor Bar, that you enjoy? What's your take on wings? And now that you've been in Buffalo for you know, two and a half years now, what's up with you and wings? I've made the rounds, all right? And number one is, and there's a clear number one to be Barbell. Um, haven't done wings as much as I need to. There's so many places. Like, I haven't been able to get to Elmo's yet or... A few other spots I planned in the summer and got sidetracked with all the stuff that happens on the Sabres beat because it's always something. 
But Barbell's my favorite, and I've got some work to do once the season ends to, to get around some more. But uh, yeah. Gabriel's Gates, I got a couple blocks away, and that's another good spot that I enjoy. I was going to say, you're in the city of Buffalo. That's where you live, correct? Yeah, I'm down in Allentown. I've been here since, uh, since I got to Buffalo. I've stayed in this neighborhood. I just like being involved, right? Being close to the arena and just getting, getting that city feel. I I'm not really a suburbs guy. Yeah, me neither. I love it. I grew. I mean, I eventually, as an adult, kind of uh, got forced into living in the <laughs> suburbs. That's where my wife's from. She kind of said, well, I ain't living with you where you're from. So we're going to come out this way. But I grew up on the west side near Elmwood Village. And, and yeah, I'm a big city guy in Buffalo. Always have been. So, all right, I'll, I'll give you a pass on weeks because you have been busy. And there's also been this thing called COVID going around for, <laughs> you know, the last year or so. Because that kind of goes to the last time I had you on the podcast. That was October of... 2019 and at that time in fact i think it might have been later that night when the episode dropped you were getting ready to do a live q a with mike mike harrington your partner covering the sabers at the news and you guys were doing it there at the news and and fans who were subscribers were allowed to attend and i'm thinking in my mind i'm like man times have really changed since then haven't they lance it really has it's been it's been a very interesting and honestly it's it's been a good lesson in terms of the job we went months without games we went months without you know having events to cover no nhl draft free agency was delayed you learn a lot not only about yourself personally but professionally the job has been very interesting um sort of just navigating the the world that we live in with zoom and and whatever else it stinks to not be able to interact with readers or see fans at games because that's part of what makes this job so enjoyable. It's connecting with people, you know, people in the community, people in Buffalo, you know, going out and, you know, whether it's at a a restaurant or a bar, you know, talking to people about the Sabres. So that part of it's been tough. I'm looking forward to normalcy, right? I mean, being at a Sabres game now, I mean, not only are they losing a lot, but no fans in the arena. There's just no buzz. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. And by the way, I I need to give you some props, man. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast. (laughs) I've talked to Mike about this. I talked to Josh Barnett about this consistently, man. I really, truly, you're killing it with Sabres coverage. You really, truly are, man. You're starting to make a a really nice name for yourself. And that's, you know, it's not always easy to do when you're covering a team, frankly, that, that stinks, you know, that's losing. But I wanted to start there before we even talk about the team and just give you your props. And I truly mean that, man. You really are doing a, a really fantastic job. And I see a lot of people on Twitter getting on that train. If they weren't already, I, I'm starting to see a lot of it, man. So I just want to let you know that I, I think you're doing a really good job covering a team that's frankly not, not very easy to cover nowadays. No, I th- and I really do appreciate that, Pat. And I, I know you're not just, you know, blowing smoke or, or trying to make me feel better because I'm, I'm on the podcast a lot of it was getting getting a lay of the land. I mean, the people that the other guys on the beat, you know, and women have been around for a lot longer. They're from Buffalo. They've been around the, the team. So a lot of it was getting a lay of the land, getting to know uh, the franchise, uh, de- developing relationships, you know, around the NHL, you know, sources, that sort of thing, players. So once you get that base knowledge and you're able to develop those relationships, I think that's really unlocked a lot in terms of reporting and how I want to develop sort of the way I want to do things, whether it's incorporating analytics in my reporting or you know, breaking news. I just kind of want to do it my own way and, and have my little niche. And I, I, I like to hear that people at least re- appreciate the work that I'm doing, the way that I'm going about uh, the job. And for people listening who might not know anything about Lance before he got to the Sabres beat, 
You didn't even cover hockey before. You're a baseball guy. Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Yeah, I filled in on hockey a couple of times, but not to any extent to where I had extensive relationships with, you know, anybody in the league or agents or or players. So that was a, that's a big part of the job. A lot of it, when it comes to reporting people, you know, it's not only knowing what's going on in the ice and knowing how to, how to write hockey. It's all about developing relationships, building those sources and knowing how to break news when it comes to, to the NHL. And plus this is a very unique franchise to cover <laughs> as you could put it in many ways as possible, but I will say it's unique and it's not dull. And there's you have to recognize how to go about that sometimes. Well, that that's a perfect segue to going to what I wanted to ask you next. And that is this. I probably, and just from what I see, I can't imagine how many times you must hear this. Uh, and I think it's a misperception. I'm sure you'll confirm this. You hear all the time when a, when a guy covers or a woman covers a beat and that team sucks. It's like, God, I can't imagine how much it must suck covering the Buffalo Sabres because they're so terrible. That's not true. You're, Lance is a, a reporter for the Buffalo News. His job's to cover the team. Lance is not a member of the Buffalo Sabres organization. Now, if Lance was a scout or if Lance was an assistant coach or Lance was a player, <laughs> sure, then may, maybe it sucks right now being involved in that capacity. But win or lose, and, this, and I speak on this a little bit because yeah. from my experience and more importantly, from talking to so many beat writers who cover so many teams, so many sports, so come, you want to cover a team that's either really good or really bad for creative content purposes, if nothing else. Nobody enjoys covering a team that's dead smack, middle of the road, 500, middle in around fringe playoff spots year after year. That's not exciting. Covering a team that's a tire fire is exciting if they're not going to be good. So I don't think your job sucks in terms of covering the Sabres, does it? No, I love I love every day uh, of the job. Yes, in terms of game stories or sort of the narratives that go along with the season, and in some ways it would be easier, and uh, I'll say it, I mean, more enjoyable at times maybe to cover t- like games that matter. I would love to cover playoff hockey. I would love to sure. cover Stanley Cup final. I mean, who wouldn't? Just because it, it opens up so many opportunities in terms of storytelling and reporting. That being said... That has no bearing on my amount of enjoyment when it comes to this specific job and covering this specific team, because you're basically documenting and reporting and gathering additional details on the narrative of not only a season, but a franchise. And there are so many, so many interesting plot <laughs> plot lines, because it does read like a movie sometimes, the best way I can put it, uh, whether it's, you know, the firings, the, the turnover, the, the turmoil, all of what goes on on the ice, off the ice it's it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating because in a lot of it, for me, you learn so much when you, you build relationships with people inside and outside the organization or people with that base knowledge. And I just love un, unearthing the truth, right? It's it's learning on what goes behind on behind closed doors. And when it comes to a franchise like the Sabres, there's a lot that goes on people don't know about. And I like being the person who informs our readers about that. And yes, the, the games can be a little difficult to write at times when they're losing 17 in a row. That doesn't impact the job though whatsoever, at least not for me. Yeah. And again, I, I think it's a, frankly, a, a pretty stupid misperception that people think that because you cover a beat on the team that's losing that the job yeah, sucks and, and that it, it's not fun. I, I don't buy that. But look, I'll tell you what though, this I think is a valid question. Does it make your job harder at times? Because if for no other reason, 
when you're losing, you're not happy. You're angry. You're surly. You're, you're salty. Like if I sat here and talked to you about a bunch of stories that you wrote that went over well with fans and that they appreciated, you'd probably want to sit here and chat all day about them. But if you wrote a, a string of stories that, that sucked and nobody liked them and you looked at them, you're like, God, this story sucks, man. How did it ever make it to print? You probably wouldn't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Or your answers would be a lot shorter and, and crisp and to the point. You wouldn't really elaborate much. So does it make your job harder sometimes having to deal with the players and the coaches in the organization because of how bad they've been? Said you've been on the beat. It's it's challenging in terms of the, the types of stories you can write. Now, for example, let's just take the Bills beat for example. With um how well that team is playing, it opens up so many opportunities to write compelling profiles and to get and to get better answers from athletes. You know, that reveals more about their personal life and you know their journey to the NFL or what or in this and obviously the Sabres case would be the NHL you don't have those opportunities when you're covering a really losing team because on a practice day do you really think that for Jeff Skinner wants to talk about you know certain parts of his background or his past when they're lo- when they've lost 17 games in a row the quality of the answers you're getting are going to be more challenging and of course when you have the whole Zoom world we're living in when everybody is talking to people through a, a video camera the, the quality of the answers isn't great to begin with. So it's, it's that it's, you know, cause you're going to come off as tone deaf at times, Pat, if you're writing this really super like positive, compelling feature about an athlete when they've lost 17 games in a row, or it's, it's all about the timing of your reporting, the timing of the stories you're writing, plus game stories. Like I mentioned, you know, it's, it's really not, sometimes it's not great or it's not easy to write about the same type of loss over and over again. And with the Sabres, a lot of times it is, I mean, they're losing three, nothing. They're getting seven shots on goal in the third period. Uh, the coach, you know, the players aren't easy to talk to post game and who would be, who would be receptive to answering questions in these circumstances. So it is what it is. It is challenging, but you know, like I said, it doesn't impact, you know, the enjoyment that I get out of doing the job the right way. Well, I'll tell you one job that I think probably sucks right now, and that's if you're the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres social media director. <laughs> that's probably not a lot of fun right now because no matter how much thought, whether you're beat up and mailing it in or whether you put out a tweet that's got a lot of thought and it feels really witty, it's going to get torn up by fans right now. So we're taping this Monday, by the way, for everyone listening shortly before uh, the game against Philly tonight. But like, for example, I'm on the, the Sabres Twitter page. And it's an innocent tweet. It's play a round of this or that with Rasmus Dahlin on our Instagram story. And <laughs> the mentions on there are unbelievable. Like even Saturday was Terry Bagula's birthday. I, I put out a tweet. I said, you know, I'm going to pour a cup of coffee, sit at my <laughs> desk, and I'm not making any plans for the next few hours because I'm just going to be sitting here and looking through all these mentions. It's just, uh, I feel bad for the people who have to work social media for teams when they're being, when they've played as lousy as Buffalo, but you know what, Lance, you brought up a good point too about the Zoom stuff. Has it made your job harder in terms of it? And I've spoken with, you know, some reporters who cover other teams on this as well in the same situation as you guys covering the Sabres. And let me preface this, of course, by saying you're just happy to be able to be able to do your job and you're happy to even be alive mm-hmm. and with everything going on in this world. But having to conduct interviews via Zoom where you get one question, maybe two at the most, and you want to do a story on this player and typically you'd be talking to three or four different guys to be able to, you know, piece together this story. You don't have that ability or it's certainly a lot harder now, more challenging. So 
just kind of speak on like the challenges of being able to effectively do your job in this climate right now. It's not ideal. And you learn so much about not only you know, the team as a whole, but specific players through individual conversations when you're in the room at normal times, you know, side conversations uh, can be so valuable. You get more of a, a temperature of what's going on behind the scenes in normal times. That's tough to lose that. The, the certain observations you can make when you're in that hallway outside the Sabres room, you're in the Sabres room, whatever that may be. That said, I really do enjoy the challenge of Zoom. You know, it's not going anywhere uh, the rest of the season. So either you learn to deal with it, or you can feel sorry for yourself and kick, you know, kick the dirt and say, and just talk about how frustrating it is. But you could also go ahead and try to supplement the reporting you get through Zooms with outside material to make your content stand out above your competitors. Now, for example, before the Eric Stahl trade, yes, I had to interview Eric Stahl with other reporters on a Zoom call, but I was also able to report, to make a few phone calls and get some background information about his no trade list and, you know, the trade conversations. And that makes your story much better than writing the same thing as everybody else. Or for example, Earlier in the year when Dylan Cousins scored his first goal, I talked to a bunch of people in his hometown of Whitehorse, as opposed to just relying on Dylan Cousins and his teammates to paint me a picture of what that night was or how important that moment was for that particular player. Uh, I like challenging myself. I, I like trying to make my coverage better and, and really stand out above the competition. That's what this is all about. We all love competition in this business. Anybody who says otherwise is lying to you. So in that regard, yes, I cannot wait for this to end, but I have enjoyed the outside the box thinking that's required to make this work. Okay, that's fair. One other thing too I should have gave you credit for is you really grasp the concept of putting out a story and not really getting caught up in angry fan reactions because <laughs> again, when a team is this bad, you could write the best story in the world and somebody's going to blast not the story but the player because of all that that entails. I think you've done a Pretty low-key, good job at avoiding that, whereas my buddy, Mike Harrington, your partner at the news, he's the one in the, you know, in the middle of the ring when Texas death matches with, with angry Sabres fans <laughs> pretty much every night. But yeah, I, I feel like, and am I right, you kind of make a concerted effort to not really get caught up in, uh, in, in at least too much anyway of what the fans are, you know, when they're on fire and they're angry, you kind of, you're pretty good at just staying away from that crap. Yeah, um, I'm... Every once in a while, I'll throw a snarky reply out there, and I am extremely sarcastic, which I don't always show on Twitter because i I just try to I try to play it right down the middle. You know, you don't want to be yeah. too sarcastic. You don't want to be too snarky. Um, I I respect the emotions that our readers feel when it comes to that team. They've been through it. They've seen ten years without the playoffs, and I I can't be a fan anymore. I removed that bone from my body. If several years ago, but I remember what it's like. I remember the frustration of, of all that goes wrong when your team doesn't make the playoffs or not performing well. And from what I've learned from the Sabres, I get it, right? So I want them to feel what they feel. The fact is they enjoy, re they read what I put out there. So that's fine. And, I, and I'm really happy to engage with anybody when it comes to constructive dialogue. Now I won't engage with the whole rooting for injuries or like the super negative personal stuff that comes along on Twitter when it comes to the Sabres, but anything else, Bring it at me. I'm glad to hear it. And some of it makes me laugh. So that's fine. I, I like the way the two of you together, because that's what you essentially you are. You, in fact, not essentially, you literally are a team that covers a beat and Mike Rice Collins and stuff. 
I kind of like the fact that you're a little more like down the middle and Mike is very passionate. I feel sometimes to a fault, like he's getting into it with some of these fans. Like, yeah. But I also get it because Mike kind of represents in a way the anger and the hostility even at times that these fans feel toward this organization. And Mike, to his credit, man, you know, a lot of people talk, a lot of people talk smack on Twitter, whether it's fans or bloggers or podcasters like myself or writers. It's another thing when you have to deal with that organization directly. And the Mike's credit, he does hold them accountable and he does go at them a lot of times, I feel like when they deserve it. So he's that first person to ask those toughest questions and kind of make, you know, make coaches and, and players in some respects feel uncomfortable. And guess what, man? When you're dead last in the NHL and you're going 10 years without making the playoffs, you kind of deserve it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, and it's it's a good compliment that we we have that. You need that sort of of re, you need that sort of commentary when it comes to covering a team like the Sabers. With, with it's absolutely merited. Um, when it comes to just the way that we balance the beat out, I guess that makes sense. You know, if that makes sense. Uh, sure. I I, let, I I sort of like the dynamic there because there are times when, like, I mean, as the beat writer, I can't. I, I can't be that harsh with uh, the team ownership players um, as Mike right. can. That's what's that, that's what's great about having a calmness on a beat. And I think that a lot of times when you look across newspapers and media outlets across the country, calmness are either not utilized properly or they places don't have them or they don't have enough of them when it comes to certain beats. That's why I think it works great. And um, obviously a lot of what Mike says resonates with you know, a big, you know, a lot of our readers. Now that's a fact. Let's take a quick break. Man, there's some mornings where you wake up and you're just feeling ready to just pull those covers right back over your head and go back to sleep all day. We've all been there. So no judging, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the biggest reason why we're doing that. You know what I'm saying? You don't love your sheets? That's all right. Because guess what? Brooklinen has you covered. What is Brooklinen, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. They didn't do that, but instead they did even something better. They found Brooklinen, which is the first direct-to-consumer bedding company, and they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. That's the big thing. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit all your needs and all your tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. Man, I'd be lucky to have 15. They got 50,000 and counting. And they're so confident that you're going to love their products. They're going to offer a 365-day Money back guaranteed. That's right. One year money back guaranteed. Unbelievable. And by the way, Brooklyn is so much more than sheets. Man, they got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and so much more. You want in? Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code Buffalo to get 25 bucks off when you spend 100 bucks or more, plus free shipping. Again, that's brooklinen, B R O O K L I N E N.com. And a promo code Buffalo to get 25 bucks off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com, 
Use promo code BUFFALO at checkout. All right, let's turn our attention to this team that you do cover. And again, I'm prefacing this by saying we're taping this Monday shortly before the Sabres take on Philly. Who knows? Maybe they finally put it together and win a game. But regardless, I'm going to read off a couple stats that I read via Mike's column from the Buffalo News on Sunday because, oh my God, dude, it's just hard to believe when it's even when it's in front of your eyes. Let me read these off for people listening. The Sabres are 623 and four on the season. Again, going into Monday night and a 17 and counting for their winless streak. It's the longest streak in franchise history, the second longest in the NHL over the last 25 years, surpassed only by Pittsburgh's pre-Crosby 18-game skid of 2004. The Sabres are 0-13-1 in March, franchise record for regulation losses in any month, and they've dropped nine straight. And then he says, a virtual rise here. The Sabres are 32 points out of the East Division lead. Now, this was as of Sunday. Money would be more full, I know. 23 <laughs> points out of a playoff berth. 12 points out of 7th place in their own division and 10 points out of 30th place in the NHL. Lance, you're around this team as much or more than anybody. How did he get to this point? There's a lot of factors. It, it's I, I hate making excuses because even with all of the adversity this team has faced, it shouldn't have come close to being this bad. Let's face it, yes, there was the COVID outbreak. They had nine players on the COVID list. There were injuries, most notably the Jack Eichel and Jake McCabe. I think I think Jake McCabe deserves to be really high up on that list as well. And you had a head coach who had no idea how to to dig this team out of it. Ralph Kruger needed to make adjustments. He needed to change his system. And I think that Ralph Kruger had a roster that didn't fit the system that he wanted to run. Um, he's a tournament coach. He's not an NHL head coach. All these factors combined including the you know the shortened schedule, the, the much more difficult division. You're not getting free wins against the Detroit Red Wings this season. It's all added up to being a complete disaster. This team is weights, and still, I mean, you look at the lineup that they're putting out against the Flyers, and it still shouldn't be as bad as a 17-game winless streak. Now, it's going to help that they have Leonis Allmark back, but this also goes back to the offseason. Kevin Adams didn't go get another goalie when he needed to. They didn't prioritize the right needs when it came to this roster. And there are significant red flags about the structure of this organization when it comes to hockey operations. As of our this taping, Pat, they still don't have an assistant general manager. They have six scouts, six, sharing responsibilities with pro and amateur, and they're finally splitting that up. Those amateur scouts are finally getting on the road now. They hadn't been traveling because nobody wanted to pay for it. So, if they want to start becoming a professional organization, they need to give it the the resources required to be a professional organization. And right now, throughout the pandemic, and they're going to use that as an excuse, the Pagulas have refused to supplement this organization with the resources necessary to be a, a successful team in the National Hockey League. Yes, they play, they spent on player salaries, but if you think that's all it's going to take to win, that's just having a complete misunderstanding on how to win in that league. They get the NFL, they figure that out, but they do not understand the National Hockey League, which is a shame because they've owned the team for a decade. You think they'd figure it out by now. When it comes to COVID, all right, listen, I am going to be Lance. I'm the last person in, on earth that's going to make any excuses for anything the Buffalo Sabres do. I'm making a point on this podcast. To, I don't I don't set out to do it, but I end up losing my temper almost anytime I ever have a Sabres themed episode on. I've cursed myself, blamed myself for spending I don't know, at least three weekends over the last six weeks or so 
literally rotting my weekend away, spending six hours watching his team. People are like, you're getting paid, Lance. I'm not, <laughs> right? You're getting, you're getting compensated to cover this team. So win, lose, or draw, you got a job to do. I'm sitting here in Florida, 80 degrees out, palm trees all over the place, things to do. And my ass is sitting there watching the Sabres not score a goal for a weekend. You know, that's frustrating and it, and it makes me angry. But when it comes to COVID, I, I feel like to some extent, it's a legitimate excuse. Because, I mean, you look at the, the numbers. They were 4-4. Four, four, they were 4-4-2 four, four before COVID. And then they were never even close to the same after. Have you heard anything or have any inkling that some of these cases really lingered around and these players just, uh, I don't know, it took them a while or maybe they still haven't completely physically recovered because, and I know other teams, a couple other teams, I can't remember off the top of my head, kind of went through the same thing, but they came out and they won. Whereas the Sabres just completely went in the toilet after COVID. How much of a factor do you think that had? I think that uh, there's a few factors in play here. Yes, I think that it impacted Rasmus Ristolainen, who was at least an average defenseman before the COVID outbreak. He was had the best start of his career, although a lot of that could be tied to him playing alongside Jake McCabe. It also further truncated the schedule. So when you have that many games postponed, it's going to make it the road to the regular season finale much more difficult. There's less practice time. And with where this team was at and the changes that need to be made, and even strength by Ralph Kruger, they could not find a way to make it work. Um, They just kept digging themselves in a deeper hole in terms of how they were playing uh, with and without the puck under Ralph Kruger. But, Pat, in my opinion, the the, the one thing – that spoiled this season, or I guess we'll say two things. Injuries, that Jake McCabe injury, I cannot I cannot stress enough how badly that hurt this team. And it shouldn't. You know, one player getting hurt should not completely debilitate a, a team the way that that did, that Jake McCabe injury. But this team did not have enough talent on, on the blue line. You know, Colin Miller and Brandon Montar aren't what they were supposed to be when Jason Baller acquired them. So they didn't have a defenseman to replace Jake McCabe. And then you got Jack Eichel. I mean, it, it wasn't just the injury he had in training camp. He got hurt again. There was a lower body injury. He couldn't find his game. And we all knew. I mean, if, if we go back to, to December and I told you, Pat, that Jack Eichel was going to miss that many games and that's what his production was going to be, would we be surprised at all if they lost 17 games in a row? He's their, he's their number one center. They had nobody else to step in and fill that void. Eric Stahl didn't work out, um, didn't come close to producing at the rate they thought that he could. So the, the wheels really <laughs> completely fell off. Injuries particularly a Jack Eichel and uh, goaltending is another one. They, they only had Linus Allmark. Allmark went down and, you know, Kevin Adams and Ralph Kruger needed to go get another goalie back in the offseason. They didn't do it. And shame on them for, for ignoring what was clearly a glaring need. I think you can, I mean, everything you said makes perfect sense. The injuries, especially, but I would say horrible goaltending has probably been the, not even the biggest reason why they're losing, which it is, but it's also been hard to watch. The goaltending has been so bad at times. It's just, it's quite literally hard to watch. So when it comes to Jack Eichel, what's your sense right now on, on his frustration level? I mean, it doesn't take a, a, a Sabres beat reporter to know that he's angry, he's pissed off, and he's frustrated, and he's tired of the losing. Do you think, though, like when this season's over, whether he ends up coming back or not, and he looks in the mirror, is he going to is he gonna make a push, do you think, to want to get traded? I think it all depends on what, this organization does in the coming months. Uh, I would say the next three months are going to be critical in terms of selling Jack Eichel on this being a viable situation for this team to win sometime in the near term. Who's going to be the coach? 
Who is Kevin Adams hiring and his assistant general manager? What's the path to making this team a winner? This team has no identity. This this roster was built for multiple different coaches. You know, you've got players who were brought in for Phil Housley. You've got players who were brought in for Ralph Kruger. How do those players, the personnel, match with what the next coach is going to be? It's I, I just have a very hard time believing that Kev, Kevin Adams can honestly tell Jack Eichel, yes, we're going to be able to win next year. Or even, hey, we're going to be able to win two years from now. I don't see it happening with where this roster is, where the development of key players is. Rasmus Dahlin's regression cannot – that is shame on the Sabres for allowing it to get as far as it did because that player under Phil Housley was looked like a generational talent. Now, after Ralph Kruger was done with him, Rasmus Dahlin – has zero confidence and looks lost. And that's a huge hit to this organization. There's not enough talent in Rochester yet. They're going to need more drafts. I just don't see there being a path. And if there's not a path to win in the very near future, Jack Eichel is not going to want to be around to see what's going to be next. And I, I really don't blame him. All right, folks, you've heard us talking about this before, and we're back to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire, and there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art. You'll receive Q&As from Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And here's the best part. You could get all this for just 15 bucks a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me talk about the bills and the savers, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. Check out the description box for this episode to find more. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. Is Darlene fixable? Because I'm thinking the same thing. He looked really good. And now he looks like if you told me he was a fifth round draft pick who labored in Rochester for the last three or four years and was up with this team right now because of injuries, and I didn't know any better, I'd believe you. Is he fixable right now? He's not broken. I, I know that a lot of people uh, on Twitter want to keep saying that. He's not broken. You, you are gonna, It's not going to get better anytime soon because now you have him trying to learn how to play a different system in the middle of, of the season, and the people teaching that system have no NHL coaching experience. Dan Girardi was a heck of a player in the National Hockey League. He's never coached before in his life, You know, not at this level. So you're really going to to put Darlene's development on the shoulders of a guy who has never coached at this, you know, in the National Hockey League. You got a team that's playing two different systems at times. I mean, you got some players who seem to be playing Ralph Kruger's way, others who are trying to do what Don Granado is doing. So it's a mess. And when you're, it's a good point to bring up because I don't know what sort of impact this is going to have on the development of, do you think it's a good thing that Dylan Cousins and Rasmus Darlene are around all this losing at, at such a young age? Look at what it did to Sam Reinhart and Jack Eichel. Like that is a very difficult thing to shake. And I think that this summer when they decide on a coaching staff, you better bring in somebody who's going to help and have a plan to to have Rasmus Dahlin unleash his talents and not restrict him to the, to the point that Ralph Kruger did and really just sap the kid's confidence. 
I feel like the losing is one thing Sabres fans, quite frankly, and unfortunately are used to it. But I feel like this year's team might be the most disliked Buffalo Sabres franchise that I've ever seen in my life of being a fan of the team. Jay Skursky, who covers the Bills mm-hmm. for the Buffalo News, and he grew up, he's a big Sabres fan. He said this team is loathsome. You know what I mean? Like fans, they, they loathe this organization right now, which got to a point, I would say by, I mean, for sure February, where it was ugly, like Sabres Twitter. I know that's like a thing, Sabres Twitter. <laughs> well, Sabres Twitter was really ugly and wanting to fire Kruger after every game. Ultimately, that finally did happen. Do you think the fact that they put, what, 1,900 or so tickets on sale, I think it was 1,970 or something like that for that game on March 20th against Boston, which ultimately got canceled because or postponed because of COVID, and the fact that they couldn't sell that out, they didn't even come close to selling it out. Do you think that maybe the embarrassment from ticket sales um, might have been the final straw? I'm not saying it's ex- obviously it's not exclusively the reason why Pagula finally gave the green light to, to fire Kruger, but how much of a role, if any, do you think that played in it? Just the embarrassment from the fans and maybe ownership finally themselves got embarrassed at the fact that they couldn't even sell 2,000 seats for a game after fans hadn't been in the arena for, what, 13 months? Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely a factor. I would say generally fan unrest has to play into it. Um, the Pagulas cared about fan unrest when Phil Housley got fired. Uh, you could have made an argument that Housley deserved more time, but the fans had had enough. And the, what's unique in – I'll, for yeah, lack of a better word, unique about this situation this season is there was very, very high hopes among the fan base because of the Taylor, you know, the Taylor Hall signing, the improvement we saw last season from Jack Eichel and him t- really stepping in to that Hart Trophy candidate that everybody thought he would be capable of. Linus Allmark's development, like this roster on paper with Eric Stahl, Taylor Hall, it looked like it had a really good chance to con- contend, but it all fell apart. And when it's your 10th year outside the playoffs, you're going to match the NHL record. Yeah. I think enough is enough. Now when fans actually return to the building next year, I don't, it's going to be a very good question. How many people are actually going to show up? Who wants to spend money to watch this team? When again, I go back to vision. What is Kevin Adams vision to make this a winner? This team has no identity. How is he going to build it? We have yet to really hear that communicated to the media or fans. So the next steps are important. I want to see Kevin Adams make good hires. I want to see them bring in legitimate NHL players this summer. But after everything that's gone wrong, and it's going to be very difficult to build this thing back up. So that's when you get into the argument, should they hit reset completely and trade guys like Eichel and Reinhardt and go in a completely different direction? Or do they try to pivot and uh, maybe try to shorten what's going to end up being somewhat of a rebuild here? Speak about Taylor Hall for a minute, because when he did sign, it felt to me at the time that was the Sabres saying, we think we're good enough to at least be on the fringe of contending for a playoff spot. I don't think you go and sign a guy for $8 million if you plan on finishing in the bottom third of the league. I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's my thought. But anyway, he's kind of a fascinating subject to me. And if they could find a taker, I'm sure he's going to get traded soon. But his numbers are horrible. But, and I'm far from an analytics guy. And I know that's something you've worked hard at. His his metrics look pretty good. I mean, is this a case of just a guy who's playing pretty well and he's just incredibly unlucky? Or w- w- what's been the issue with him this season? Because what, two goals this year? It just it just doesn't seem to add up with his talent. And at times from watching just the opportunities that he seems to be getting, at least anyway. Yeah, it's it's very unusual. You but it almost reminds me of what we saw from Jeff Skinner at times, right? When you look at all the analytics offensively, particularly last season, 
you would think, wow, this guy should be scoring 30 goals, but it's not happening. Um, part of it could be um, has even saberized, which is a, a term that we love to use around here, where a guy comes comes to this team and gets around this environment and suddenly loses confidence. I think that could be part of it. Taylor Hall didn't have stability. He kept getting moved around the lineup. Ralph Kruger could not decide who should Taylor Hall play with. Should he play with Jack Eichel? Should he play with Eric Stahl? Who should he play with? There was no stability. There was a bad five-on-five system in terms of generating offense. And let's put it on the player here. He hasn't finished his chances. And that's the same That's the same indictment that you could put on Jeff Skinner. These guys have had opportunities. Taylor Hall's had breakaways. And he hasn't put the puck in the back of the net. Now I know that it's very clear he wants to change the scenery. I think he's upset that Ralph Kruger got fired. He came here to play for Ralph Kruger. I would not pay that guy, and I would not give him another contract. Uh, the Sabres too often have given too much money to wingers. Let's go back to Kyle Poso. They're giving massive con- a massive contract to Jeff Skinner. You win in the National Hockey League by with goaltending, strong depth down the middle in terms of sentiment, and better talent on the blue line. So that those are the areas of focus that Kevin Adams needs to to, to really drill in on this offseason. And get what you can for Taylor Hall. It was a nice little chapter in his career, and people are going to look ten years, look back ten years from now, and not believe that he even was he ever a Buffalo Saber. But it just didn't work out in any way. I got a couple guys that I wanted to ask you about before I let you go. One of them you mentioned was Sam Reinhart, one of the few guys on this team that, at least statistically, is having a relatively at least decent season. He's due to get paid, at least I think anyway, in this offseason. You think it's going to be with the Sabers, or do you see them? trying to, or do you see them moving on, whether it's a trade, whether it's a, you know, they don't match an offer that maybe he gets somewhere else. How do you see things playing out with him? This is a really tough call. I know fans don't want to hear this, but the Sabres have a tough decision to make. He's not going to want to sign here. Do you think Sam Reinhardt's really going to want to come back? He's not a UFA this offseason. It's not going to be in this, the summer of 2022. His trade value is never going to be pretty is never going to be higher for the Buffalo Sabres. They can hold on to him and then try to trade him to the deadline next season or whatnot and, and try to get as much value as possible. But I think now with the way he's performing, the the term left on that deal and the potential offers are going to are going to receive this offseason for Sam Reiner, I think you have to at least consider moving him. Unless Jack Eichel's coming back and you think you have a real good opportunity to contend next season, I have a hard time believing that based on the holes in the, on this roster. But Sam Reinert, where he's at in his career, and I just don't see him wanting to be back here long term, you have to potentially move on at some point. A couple more guys, and this is actually a rare positive here to me anyway. Um, Dylan Cousins and, and Casey Middlestad, I think they've looked pretty good. I thought Casey Middlestad, I mean, if you're – if you read and believe what you were seeing with your own eyes or whatever, you would think Casey Middlestat was clearly headed towards Bustville. <laughs> um, and we've been a case, so I feel like he's been pretty good. A few of the, the bright spots, especially Cousins, obviously. Now, I look at the lineup for tonight, and again, I got to say this again, we're taping this before the Philly game, and uh, the the lines at practice, Cousins is a, a center, and so is Middlestat. Do you see either of these guys being a long-term center in this organization, in your opinion? I see Dylan Cousins being a long-term center. I mean, Dylan Cousins is a guy that I would build around. And it's not just what I've seen on the ice, which has been really fantastic as a rookie. I love the intangibles this guy brings. I'm not referring to the fight. I know that like Sabres fans, especially old school Sabres fans, love the fact that that kid fought uh, against the New York Rangers a few weeks back. But I just love the leadership. I love the way he carries himself. Everybody I've talked, spoken to about Dylan Cousins, it just makes you think this is the type of guy who could be a culture piece for that franchise moving forward. And Casey Middleset, I don't like the idea of putting him at center. 
He went one for nine in the faceoff circle against the Bruins. He was really developing a niche at the wing. Um, thought that would have been a nice development plan. Just keep him there. He's playing hard. He This is the best he's ever looked. Leave him there for the rest of the year, then reevaluate. Team need dictates that he, he plays center. They want to give him a look, whatever. I don't think he's a long-term center. And I found it fascinating that Elliot Friedman in his latest 31 thoughts wondered aloud if Middlestad could be a, a guy who will be moved. I wouldn't move him because the trade value is going to be very low. And I think there's still a lot of upside there potentially. We'll see. I, I really liked his game though. And it's the effort, right? And maybe he's only standing out on, because some of his teammates aren't, aren't uh, always playing hard. But he's played hard every night. I've liked his shifts. I like how engaged he is. And he's developed a much better two-way game. One, we, So we talked about Rasmus Stalin individually. And I, and I should ask you this as a follow-up. We talked goaltending as being a bad or a reason why this team's been so bad. We talked about injuries. We talked about COVID. We talked about coaching. The defense as a whole, when you look up and down at this roster, it seems to me that, <laughs> except for McCabe, who got hurt, everyone on this roster, I feel like is underperformed this year. Colin Miller and Brandon Montour, Yoka Haru looked really good last year. I thought he did anyway. Seems like he's taking a step back. And then Rissalane, and I don't know, maybe he looked good with McKay, but, and, and then he get COVID like you talked about, but he's looked terrible since. Why is this entire defensive unit pretty much, uh, for the most part, underperformed so badly? Is it the system? Is it coaching? Are these guys just not as good as we thought they were? It's both, in my opinion. It's system and coaching. And that goes not only against Ralph Kruger, but it goes against Don Granado. Personally, I know that fans didn't like Steve Smith, but I would have preferred having a, a more experienced coach working with these defensemen the last month of the season as opposed to Dan Girardi, as much as Dan Girardi is a well-respected former NHL player. This offseason, the coaching hire needs to be much better in terms of structure defensively. And not only structure defensively, but allowing your defensemen to play as if this is 2021. Ralph Kruger had some structure, but he wanted his defensemen sitting back like this is 1990. You're not going to score goals if your defensemen aren't engaged offensively. Because a lot of times when you have a roster with guys like Darlene and Yoki Haru, you have to let them have some freedom in the offensive zone. Like we've seen the few the last few games, Darlene's finally able to carry the puck deep, and, and you're seeing more confidence in his game and the way he, way he carries himself in the defensive zone as well. So whoever the new coach is, bring in an assistant that knows how to coach defensemen. Bring in somebody experienced. Um, if Tortorella doesn't come back uh, to Columbus this offseason, bring in Brad Shaw, his top assistant. If if he, I'm not saying as a head coaching hire, but try to hire that guy as an assistant. Bring in somebody who is good with defensemen, who can teach these guys how to play. Because the, the group is going to change. Montour is going to be gone. But when it comes to Darlene and Yoki Haru specifically, you have to make those guys foundational pieces on this roster because they have the talent to be that for you. Who do you think are a couple of coaches the Sabres have their eyes on, or, or at least maybe in your opinion that they should have their eyes on? Nate Lehman from Providence is probably – Right, that's got to be the guy who's likely at the top of their list. They can sell fans on the USA hockey model, right? They have Seth Appert out in Rochester. Now you bring in Nate, who coached Team USA at World Juniors. I just don't see anybody real experience coming in here, right? I mean, people want uh, Gerard Gerard Gallant. You're not getting him unless it's a five-year deal and an overpay. Um, Bruce Boudreaux wants to come here, but I don't want Bruce Boudreaux. Like he doesn't understand how to score goals in the NHL. And I had one of his former players tell me a few days ago that he's the worst coach he's ever played for. <laughs> this is a guy who's wow. and here this is a guy who's played for different coaches and he's now in, in 
he himself is now a coach. So he understands the dynamics there. So I think that you, you can't get too old school with it. I think you need new age. I mean, why not? Why aren't we talking about Gronberg? You know, the former Swedish, you know, the Swedish national team coach who's now coaching in Switzerland. Is that a model they want to go with? Personally, I think you need somebody with experience. If Tortorella gets let go in Columbus, I know Sabres fans probably don't want to hear this, but Tortorella, we keep hearing guys, players specifically, talk about accountability with this team. We need more accountability. We heard it after the Housley firing. We heard it again after the Kruger firing. You need somebody tough in that room, I think. I think you need somebody who's going to hold guys accountable. And as much as it might be uncomfortable for some of the the core players in this group, I think somebody in in the shape of John Tortorella would be a, a perfect fit and if Columbus doesn't want to bring Torts back, offer him a contract. I'd bring him in. He'll bring the structure. He'll bring the toughness. He'll bring an identity. Now, that's the thing that this organization is like. What is this team going to look like? What? How do they want to play? Kevin Adams, look at how he was as a player. He was a fourth-line grinder. Uh, Rod Brendamore, who he's close friends with, would have been a good a good hire, but it sounds like Brendamore is going to stay in Carolina. So bring in somebody who's going to bring that toughness, that accountability, and I would hire John Tortorella. I just would. Got two more questions for you, then I'll let yeah, you go. Come on, but that's fine. We we spoke about Olmark a little bit, and middle of the road to me is like, all right. But I kind of realize, you know, sometimes when, when you're growing up and you had that girlfriend in high school <laughs> and you kind of you took her for granted, but you really didn't realize it at the time until you started dating a bunch of other girls, and you're like, you know, this girl wasn't so bad. I kind of feel like that with Olmark right now because when he went down and we had to watch Hudden play as much as he did and Johansson and, I mean, God forbid, Tokarski. It's like, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Is he a guy that you feel comfortable with? If you're trying to build a good team, is Omar good enough to be a number one goalie in this organization? Because, I mean, again, he's going to be unrestricted, so somebody's going to pay him. Should it be Buffalo? It should be Buffalo. They have no other logical replacement. They're not going to be able to sign a free agent. Uko Pekalukan is still a ways away. I'm giving Linus Allmark a tier contract with the caveat that, hey, if you can go earn it, and we'll give you a long-term deal. Prove it. Stay healthy. Play a full season, because that's been Allmark's problem the past two. Now, we've seen a real change in Linus Allmark the past two years. Back in 2018-19, under Phil Housley, it was very clear that Botterill and Housley were trying to introduce Allmark to the idea of being a number one. They started playing him in a long stretch of game, seeing how he handled it. Allmark didn't handle it well. You know, the people I spoke to in the organization, they wondered if he wanted it. You know, does this guy have the personality to be a number one, to be that guy? Well, entering that offseason after Housley got fired, Allmark came back and, you know, in, in better shape. It, and really worked on his game, and he sh- he showed that he he's shown the potential to be a number one. He's shown that desire to be the guy. That said, I'm going out this summer. I'm not only signing Elmark to a two year deal. I'm going out. I'm getting another number one. I'm getting and I'm putting those two guys against each other. And I want a true t- a true competition because you need two goalies in the National Hockey League. You need two. We saw it. You know, Sabres fans were reminded of it again this year. But even when you know COVID times are over with. And the schedule's a little bit easier in terms of uh, just fewer games in a week and more practice time. You need two guys who can go out there and win games for you. So go out and get somebody. You know, it's whether it's Darcy Kemper or you know, go get him. Go make a move, and it has to be a trade because you're not signing anybody to come here after what's gone on here. I really firmly believe that signing free agents, we can speculate all we want. They're not going to have an easy time bringing people in. That kind of leads to my last question, <laughs> and I was going to preface this by saying. Lance, this is going to be a tough ask of you. And based on what you just said, it's going to be even harder. But 
let's forget for a second that you are a beat reporter who covers a team and let's pretend that Terry and Kim threw you some money and said, <laughs> Lance, make a quick little speech here because you got idiots like Patrick Moran out there who might've bumped his head against the wall really hard and is at least contemplating renewing his season tickets or even worse, purchasing season tickets after not doing it before. Convince people out here as best you can why you should be optimistic about the God, as I'm saying this, and the yeah, words are coming hard, out of my mouth. It? I'm like, this <laughs> is going to be ridiculous, but do your best to kind of pitch the Sabres a little bit, the fans that, Hey, they're going to get this turned around. And here's a couple of reasons why I think they're going to be able to get this turned around. Well, it all starts with coaching. If they hire the right coach, which again, I think even that will be difficult considering the candidates and the short shelf life for coaches in that organization. That said, if you have a good coach who is able to convince Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and these, those two in particular to stick around and be part of the solution and that this can be an achievable goal within the next year, then yes. So you have a strong core. You have Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Dylan Cousins, better goaltending with Linus Allmark, Maybe some help on the way in Rochester, although I don't see any guys down there are going to help right away. I, I really can't sell it, Pat. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just can't. You, re- you really can't. I think that talk is cheap when it comes to, to these owners. And even when it comes to Kevin Adams, who's talking, who's handled himself extremely well publicly since he's become general manager, you got to show people. You got to go out there and you got to put together a plan. You got to execute it. And you have to put together a coherent plan that doesn't revolve around the coach picking his players like the one that that Pagulas pivoted to when they fired Jason Botterill. Having Ralph Kruger have personnel decisions was catastrophic, in my opinion, because it, it blinded Kevin Adams and other people in the organization to what this team actually needed. And Ralph Kruger did not have an ex- enough experience to actually do that. So... Um, we'll see. Uh, honestly, I can't, I can't paint a rosy picture when there isn't one. I will say this, Dylan Cousins is going to be a really good NHL player. This, this team finally has a number one goalie. Rasmus Dahlin is going to be fine. He's a number one defenseman. There's some other pieces on this team that I think have some promise. I think that Tage Thompson and Casey Metalside have a chance of reaching, at least getting much closer to reaching their potential. Um, so there, there's some to like there, but in the grand scheme of things, if they do have to tear this down and rebuild and they do have to trade Jack Eichel and Sam Reiner, they will be able to get guys in return, right? I don't think it's it's not a complete it's not a complete dumpster fire in terms of that. It's not like they're going to get nothing in return for Jack Eichel and Sam Reiner if that's the, the path they have to take. That said, this team is not going to make the playoffs, I think, for a couple more years at least. Uh, based on where they're at, uh, the trade, the, 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 the assets they have to trade, what they would get in return, um, and and, and until Kevin Adams hires serious help, legitimate help, people around him who I think can help him make these franchise-altering decisions, I just have no faith that this is going to be moving in the right direction anytime soon. So we'll see who he hires. He's hiring an assistant general manager. We'll see who else comes in this organization. But right now, that guy needs help. Um, I think he can do the job. I think he can be a good general manager. But this franchise is going nowhere fast unless they start hiring experienced people and most importantly, allowing those experienced people to do their jobs because the Pagulas have refused to allow people to do their jobs. They continue to meddle because they have a complete misunderstanding on what it takes to build a winner in the National Hockey League. Well, there you go, Sabres fans. Instead of spending your hard-earned money on season tickets anytime soon, 
as COVID hopefully dissipates little by little and more things open up, take your money, go to the bars, go to the restaurants, go to the movies, watch the games on free on TV so you can still read Lance's work at the Buffalo. The jury is, still, yeah. the jury is still out. If, they win, if they're able to win fans over in the next four months, good for them. But I, I find it very hard to believe that Kevin Adams will be able to do enough to convince fans to to shell out money for season tickets. We'll see. I agree. It would be nice if he did, though. I mean, you never know. We'll, we'll oh. see what happens. Anyway, everyone, give Lance a follow on Twitter at L Lazowski. And of course, check out the Buffalo News. Subscribe. I say it all the time. It's important. Support local journalism. Lance does awesome work, man. So does Mike. So does the whole sports department. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a TBN guy. I always have been. Grew up with the news. I'm always going to be partial to you guys. So, Thank you very much for doing the podcast, man. You know I love always having you on. Always appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. Thanks for supporting, you know, us, our staff, and you know, and just basically thank you for what you do and giving not only like us from the Buffalo News a platform, but everybody in Buffalo sports media, media in general, a platform. And I guess putting faces to the to the names a little bit because that can be a little difficult when um, in the media world, I guess these days. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today's episode. Very big thank you again, Lance Lazowski, Buffalo News, beat reporter for the Buffalo Sabres, does an awesome job. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at L Lazowski. Check out his work. Make sure you support the Buffalo News. Continue to support local journalism is so important. Thank you again, Lance. Coming up on the podcast tomorrow, a bonus episode, version two of our Buffalo Bills mock draft. I'll have Aaron Quinn from Cover One Out with me for that. Then, of course, on Friday's show, Casual Friday, we do it every week with my buddy Del Reed from 26 Shirts and, of course, one of the founders of Bill's Mafia. That's Friday. And, guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this little podcast of mine. Of course, we're available on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, you know them all. Go find us. We're everywhere. Uh, what else? Check us out on YouTube. Talk Buffalo Podcast. Got a YouTube channel. Pretty much just right now, it's just static clips of current and past episodes. But pretty soon, I mean pretty soon for real this time, I'm getting video gear. We're going to start shooting some videos. It's going to be a lot of fun. Some exclusive content you only get there. So again, Talk Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. Then last but not least, follow me on Twitter. App Hammer and Tweets. I am literally on Twitter dozens of times every single day. So if you want to get a hold of me, it's probably the best place to do it. App Hammer and Tweets. And thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time, man. It's uh, it's a, an honor for me to, to be able to do this podcast and, and have you lock in. I know how many good shows there are out there. So when you're listening to this, man, I, I don't take it lightly. I really don't. So thank you so much. Have a good Tuesday. And I'll be back. Actually, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow.